value from £40,000 and I sold it four years later for £107,000. Welcome back everybody, second episode of the year and another new area to look at, probably based on the feedback that I've got from followers and people that have been listening to the podcast that we're kind of delving into the, the property side of things now. I've got a gentleman on with me today who runs his own letting agency, also does property development himself and is one half of the, the Scottish Property Podcast. We've got Nick Ponty with me. Nick, how are you? I'm good, Gary. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, delight to be here and good work with the podcast. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a listener to it, so really enjoy the episodes. Brilliant. Happy day. Well, that makes both of us, because I listen to yours. So it's a, a, a two-way street here. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Happy well, days. Well, at least we've, uh, we've, we've got a listener each that we know about it anyway, so that's good. <laughs> Obviously, from, from yourself, and you, you've probably had this question a lot of times before, and looking at the various different types of, of property you're involved in, be it letting, be it developing your own, where, where did it all start from you? Where did this kind of career path begin? Well, I think it all starts for me. I'm actually from Inverness originally, right? So mm-hmm. I've got to confess, I'm not actually a, a born and <laughs> bred class meeting. So I'm kind of, I've been adopted down here. Uh, but growing up in Inverness, um, my granny died when I was about 19. Mm-hmm. And she left me um, a wee sum of money, which was nice of her. It was about £5,000. And I was all set at 19 years old to kind of get around the world ticket and uh, go off to a bit of travelling, just enjoy life. But my mum put that in the day. She said, well, you should really do something with this money. You should maybe buy a wee flat or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I used that money as a deposit, and I bought my first property when I was 19 up in Inverness. And that was round about kind of 2000, 2001 or something like that. So it was before the kind of last uh, boom. So it was just luck. I bought a wee flat in Inverness for £40,000 over the space of four, I think it was four years I, I kept that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never actually lived in it. I did end up going travelling, <laughs> but I kept it and I rented it out uh, to some tenants. And over the space of four years, that property shot up in value from £40,000 and I sold it four years later for £107,000. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, got totally lucky, got in at the right time and then I was like, that, that just blew my mind, like how much money I made in the space of such a short amount of time mm-hmm. and then from that I then realised, you know this this was a real thing and, and I moved to Glasgow and then I bought another couple of properties in Glasgow and uh, this was just before the crash and kind of, this was from 2005 to 2008 mm-hmm. and then the, the crash hit and then I kind of like I, I was sitting in a couple of properties and I, I had plans to kind of get more, but then um, when the financial crash hit in 2008, that basically really kind of rocked the boat for me and made me think, oh my God, there's a lot of people losing everything here. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made me sit out. So I guess that was how I started off. Um, basically got, got lucky at the right time, which gave me a bit of cash to invest. Yeah, and go from you there. Know? I mean, I suppose it was that. I wouldn't imagine in your wildest dreams you would have thought you would have made that much on the first property that you no. had either 
Not at all, do you know what I mean? And I don't want people to think that it's that easy as well because a lot of that was just luck and the timing of getting into the market. Um, you know, I, I was supposed to live in that as well as like my first my first property, my first flat, but it just so happened that my plans changed and I went off, did a bit of travelling around the world and all that, and luckily the, 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 the thing shot up in value as well. So that's basically what opened my eyes up to it. Mm-hmm. And see from obviously from you taking those kind of first steps with that property in Inverness and then coming through to Glasgow and, and getting another couple of properties for, for your own portfolio, where, when did that then start leading off into the kind of letting agent side of things? What 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 changed in that respect for you that made you want to kind of branch into that as well? Uh, so what happened was, like, like I said, when the crash hit in 2008 and you know some people might not, not realise kind of how bad it was, but... Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of repossessions and people getting their properties repossessed. It was terrible because basically the banks uh, were giving out mortgages to everybody. I mean, you could get literally the full price. If you were buying a property, you could get the full price, the cost of the property and more. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, and then all that just collapsed. You know, you, were, you didn't even have to put up a, a, a deposit and you could self-certify yourself. They weren't doing any checks. So... So basically, from 2008 to 2010-11, I, re- I really didn't do much. I just sat with a couple of properties that I was renting out. Uh, I had my own place as well that I, I lived in. Um, and then from 2010-11, things like the repossessions mm-hmm. um, started coming back on, on the market. And when they started to sell the, the bank repossessions, so it was the lenders that were selling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were selling them at, like, basically... Uh, really reduced, really cut prices because they just wanted, wanted basically rid of them. They just wanted them off their books, you know, as quickly as possible. Yeah. So you could you could buy properties in Glasgow, um, you know, for example. I'll just give you an example, mm-hmm. right, a case study. So I bought a property in Deniston for 65000 in 2010, mm-hmm. which was a bank repossession. Okay. Um, and that property was sold to um, the, the buyer three years earlier. So in 2007, just before the crash hit, that property was sold for 130000 So, you know, I mean, you're talking about half the value of mm-hmm. what it was three years before the yeah. crash. Uh, sorry, you know, a year before the crash. Mm-hmm. So so I was, I was buying um, repossessions from 2010 through to like 2014-15, and I was... I was able to buy, because I had to buy cash in the bank as well, I was able to buy a couple of them cash um, and one or two of the mortgages as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I started scaling up with buy-to-let properties. And but during that time, I was actually, and my background's in photography, right? I was actually a press photographer during this time. Right. Uh, in Glasgow, up for evening times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would kind of do the property investing and buying flats on the side of my, my full-time job. Yeah. Um, and then it reached a point, you know, saying how did this, you know, get me into being a letting agent? Um, in 2015, newspapers were on decline and I thought, you know what, this is not really going anywhere, this job. I loved my job as a photographer. It was great fun, you know, photographing, like, uh, the semi-day, like, the Olympic Games in London, for example, yeah. when I'd take pictures of that and then I would go across to, like, the set over to Pakistan where I would go and take pictures of... You know, match stuff happening over there and that. It was great. It was great fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, 
newspapers in the in decline. Nobody's buying newspapers now, right? So that industry was there was a lot of people getting laid off, redundancies, and I took a voluntary redundancy in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what can I do here? And then I thought, well, I've already got a few of these properties. I've got a property portfolio built up. I'm managing tenants. I know how to look after, you know, repairs, maintenance, and that. Mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to set up a uh, a lighting agency. Yeah. So that's that's what I did, and that's where I am right now. And I suppose it kind of draws into one of the questions that somebody had had sent in to ask when I, I said you were coming on, and what they had asked was from from the point of view of when you are looking at kind of a property that you are potentially wanting to to buy. What are your main criteria that you look for before you would you would make any sort of purchase? What's the kind of main things that you would need before you would go into that? So if you're looking to buy a property for an investment, right, Mm -hmm. there's so many different strategies that you can do. So, for example, the strategy that I do um, is a a buy buy to let, basically, right? So you're buying the property and then you're renting it out to a tenant. Mm -hmm. But the best way to, to basically build that and build a portfolio is to buy at below market value. So, say for talking sake, you know, the properties might be valued at hundred thousand, right? But uh, you're trying to get that below the actual value, so you're trying to negotiate an offer, maybe down at around eighty thousand pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Or else you're looking to add value to that property by a renovation, through mm-hmm. so doing up the kitchen, the bathroom, you know, redecorating that sort of thing, um, to add value, so that then. Uh, once you have the property and you've, you've owned it for six months, you can then refinance that at the highest value, which basically means that the deposit that you put in at the start, say it's 20, 25%, then hope, you're hoping to recycle that money back out. You're hoping to get that back out of the refinance mortgage and then invest that again onto your next project. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that makes sense. It can get quite technical and it's quite difficult to explain. But um, you're basically looking to buy properties under the market value or properties that you can add value to through a refurbishment. Mm-hmm. That's the best way of doing it. And do you find that's more difficult now because there is obviously quite a lot of people in the property sector now and they're all obviously trying to get the, the same thing. So do you find that hard from your point of view in trying to find new properties? Yeah, it definitely is. So from, I would say... When the crash hit, the last crash in uh, 2008 through to 2010-11, there was literally nobody buying property. Like mm-hmm. there was, <laughs> The market was totally dead. And then when these repossessions came on, it was quite easy to get a good deal. Mm-hmm. But then as the confidence started coming back into the market, and then obviously you've got you know programs like Homes Under the Hammer, things like that, and people see you know other people making good... Uh, good chunks of cash out of it and, yeah. and it's quite lucrative sometimes you know so then everybody starts piling in and now the market albeit we're in a strange time of the COVID but the market is still pretty buoyant in terms of when something comes on the market that is a good price it mm-hmm. generally gets snapped up quite quickly so a lot of people will try and get um, they call it direct to vendor so this is when you're basically cutting out uh, properties on right move. You're not going for these properties that are advertised on right move, and 
the properties that are put on the estate agents, they're going straight to the actual sellers of the property. Right. Um, the best, the best deals that you'll get is if you can go straight to a seller of a property before they actually go to the market. Mm-hmm. Like, say, for example, there's, there's lots of circumstances where, you know, you can actually help somebody's situation and go to somebody's, for example, if, you know, one of their relatives have died and they've inherited the property and the family just want a quick sale, they don't want the hassle of having to go and get an estate agent, get it valued. They just basically want a quick sale, no hassle, then you know quite often that's the best way to try try and pick something up at a good price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 as you say, there's so many different kind of ways of of doing it as well. And see from the point of view of when you then moved into kind of the letting side of things, what were the main challenges for you in trying to get that fully set up and and running? Uh, well, one of the things with being a letting agent in Scotland, you need to be uh, fully accredited. You need to do, like, it's like an exam, like a course thing. Mm-hmm. So I had to go and do that, which was pretty straightforward, to be honest with you. It wasn't, wasn't too difficult, but it, it took about six months, which I think is a really good thing because there is a bad name out there for letting agents and landlords, you know. Most mm-hmm. people perceive landlords as kind of, you know, money-grabbing, you know, people that don't care about, you know, the properties, and there's just a bad stigma attached to it. So the way that the Scottish government are trying to do it now, they're trying to make it more difficult to be a landlord and a let agent. So you need to meet all this criteria and do these exams and all the rest of it. So I think it's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the challenges initially. Uh, the next challenge, like any business owner's got, is actually finding clients. Yeah. Um. So, so that was when I kind of took to social media and basically try to get my name out and then you're just doing a full process of marketing and try to bring in leads uh, from other landlords that look to get the properties managed. Mm-hmm. And I know obviously from listening to, to your own, the, the Scottish Property Podcast that you do with, with Stephen, you you were talking about advertising on social media. Do you find that that works the best for you and, and try to get kind of details out there to potential clients? Yeah, I think most of my leads, most of my clients come from um, from social media, to be honest with you. I and mean, then some, obviously from that, and then it stems on to like, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So obviously we've got the Scottish Property Podcast and that we what we do is we release the podcast every week. We try and get on guests that are doing good things in property, so other property developers, you know, try and get people's stories of how they got involved in property and try and just generally give value. Um, so that kind of helps get your name out there and build your personal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, through the likes of YouTube, I do some YouTube stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's people have noticed me because, you know, I'm all about trying to give value and try to help people and give them tips. Like I'll say, you know, top five ways to invest in property, for example, and you give them five strategies where they can you know, implement themselves and just continue continually try to put out good sort of valuable content you know yeah and, and i suppose that's the the thing with the podcast as well it kind of opens you up to a different level of interested parties potentially as well because if it's it's specifically about property and, and different developers etc it's, it's just like a big networking event really i suppose but you're doing it online I, well, you know yourself gary with the podcast and you're doing a fantastic job with it you know it just brings you um, so many people are, are listening to you. So if you've got a networking event, for example, 
you know, there might be 100 people there, but really you're only going to get a chance to speak to about, I don't know, maybe 10 or something like that during the, the event. And I'm not really a big fan of these networking events anyway mm-hmm. because everybody's just trying to sell me something, do you know what I mean? And yeah. you come away with a pocket full of business cards, so it's pretty much just go straight in the bin. Mm-hmm. But if you think about a podcast, you're getting your voice listened to by, well, we've got about, each week we've got about 1,200 downloads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've probably got about 900 active listeners that are downloading that each each week. Yeah. So you've got a big audience there. So I would encourage anybody, it might not be right for, for everyone, but if you've got a message to get across and you've got, um, you can help people with giving them advice and help and stuff like that, then I, I would recommend it. It's a great kind of marketing tool, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think from a, especially as you said, from an interaction point of view, it's just an easy, quick way to reach thousands, millions of, of, of followers in the one hit. And obviously, if you're getting a handful of follow-ups on that, then it's it's worth it because you're, it doesn't not cost you any money. Exactly. Free advertising. Can't go wrong with free advertising. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, everybody talks about, I mean, I'm really into the marketing side of things, to be honest, I love, I don't particularly enjoy being an agent with that, so I never actually feel like to be an agent, I, I wanted a business, and I thought, what do I know, what do I know how to do, mm-hmm. and it just naturally came to me through property, uh, but eventually I want to structure it so that there's other people running it, but you know, I do love the marketing side. I do love the kind of hustle and going out and trying to get the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's where I can yeah. feel what I'm, I'm interested in. Yeah. And see, from your own point of view, obviously from that first property coming through to, to where you are now, is there any any bits of advice or any things that have kind of stuck in your head that have kind of served you well through that journey? I think for anybody who's looking to get into property, like... There's a couple of things you need to start with, right? And it's, it's like anything you get involved in. You need to start with, you know, why, why do you want to do it, first of all? You know, sort of set out your, your kind of end goal. So you need to start with the end in mind. What, what are you doing this for? Because quite a lot of people will see the Instagram pictures of, you know, if you send them like property developer or property investor, mm-hmm. and, you know, hashtag Instagram, you know, on the, on the, on the hashtags, then they'll, they'll pop up with, people that are leading kind of lavish lifestyles and driving about in Bentley's and Rolex watches and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite easy to get sucked into it. It's the property game. People think that's an easy way of making money. And, you know, you just hit back and watch the, the kind of money go in. But, you know, it's really it's really not that glamorous. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, trust me, you're dealing with, like, cowboy buildings that are trying to rip you off. And then, you know, I've got to say, 99% of that Mm-hmm. you know, to somebody who, you know, like basically a roommate 
that's paying your mortgage and allowing you to save up for another property, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many ways you can get involved. I mean, you can actually get into property investing without having any money. It is possible to, you know, work in with other investors or joint venture partners and stuff like that. Well, that's actually, um, somebody had asked that that specific question of, do you need any capital to, to actually begin that journey or as uh, options to, to do it without having that upfront money? But I think um, one of the biggest issues as well with property is that it's an industry which has attracted a lot of, I call them gurus, right, course gurus. So mm-hmm. these people who teach you, you know, how to become a property investor overnight. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is one of their taglines, right, is that because they're, they're attracting people who are in vulnerable places that basically hate the job. They want to get out of the nine to five mm-hmm. and they might not necessarily have any money or they might have just got a student loan and they're in a position where they, they could afford to go and pay to get on a course and they see that this as a kind of way out of having mm-hmm. to actually work for a living. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you've got to watch it. There's a lot of sharks in property and there's a lot of people trying to sell you courses. But mm-hmm. Some of them are legit and some of them are just pure sharks that take yeah. your money and just take your fair run. So um, you've all, always got to be a due diligence if you're following anybody who is kind of offering you that sort of thing or are telling you they can teach you how to get involved in property with no money, then certainly follow them to a good while. Try and see that they are actually doing what they say, what they're, what they're teaching. So, you know, that's why I think Instagram stories is great, because if you're just seeing on their Insta stories that they're, uh, you know, their, their ads are popping up, you know, sign up to this seminar, getting this free content for a week, Mm-hmm. But you're not actually seeing them going around properties or like you know seeing their developments, or seeing them actually hands on in what they do. Then yeah. I would like to be that's a bit of a red flag. Um, but with, in terms of actually getting into property with no money, yes, of course it can it can be done 100. Mm-hmm. percent um, you know we talk about it quite a lot on the podcast. But it's just starting out as a few because we get a lot of people messaging us on Instagram, young people. And uh, it's, it's the same question that comes up all the time, you know. But it's just starting out right from scratch, and you're like an 18 year old guy or girl, and you know, you have no money, and you're trying to work, you're, you're trying to team up with somebody who has money, who mm-hmm. will basically fund the property. So, so one, of the, one of the kind of common rules is that the person with no money will find the deal, find the property, mm-hmm. and then what happens is they'll get somebody to actually fund it or give them the money to buy it. Um, you know, and that's the kind of structure and then what will happen is the person with no money will maybe manage the, the refurb, uh, the, the kind of renovation of the property mm-hmm. and then the the Z, uh, the investor will just basically supply all the money and that's that's quite a common way. And that's what they say when when you see the kind of get involved in property with no money, that's what they mean. Yeah. You're basically teaming up with somebody. But where that's really difficult is when you go on the course, they think that they, they make you think that anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. But if you step out in the world and you're an 18 year old guy or girl and you've got no property experience, you've never bought a property, you've never done anything, you don't have anything to show for yourself, you've never done a, a renovation, you don't have a team of builders that you work with, you've got no experience, then the chances of somebody giving you like hundred grand, what are the chances? So if you, I would say certainly if you've got, a, a, if you've done a couple of projects and you've documented it, I would say to people starting out, 
just try and get one under your belt, you know, through working with a family member, it's quite a good start. Mm-hmm. And then document the hell out of it, i.e. take loads of what's on after pictures on Instagram, set yourself up myself, do a YouTube or a video and that. Then you've got a, like something like TV to show mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Playing your event, going looking for, we call it private, uh, you know, private uh, finance. So you're, you're, you're basically trying to build up a network of investors with cash. You don't have the time to do these property mm-hmm. projects. And yeah. then you can go and then pitch yourself to them. So I think, you know. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And it, it probably kind of ties in. Somebody else had sent in, and it's probably a more technical question, but. You you are the man for that. I looked at it and I was like, right, I'm I'm hoping that Nick knows the, the answer. I don't to know. I'm trying my best. <laughs> so what what they were saying is, what are your own thoughts on on funding projects? Do you prefer to be the sole investor, or do you also look at kind of joint ventures or, or different kind of ways of getting the funding in there? So what's your own kind of view on it? Do you know, do you know what? Right, I'm really risk averse, right, and. I'm, I'm actually scared to do it. I've never actually taken anybody's money to a property deal, mm-hmm. apart from the banks, you know, apart from just the standard, um, the mainstream bank lending to yeah. mortgages. Um, but I've got lots of people that I know through property that do do, lots of venture partners and private investors, and they basically just take a loan off them and pay them back, say, 10% over mm-hmm. a year or whatever. But I, that, the thought of having to pay somebody back like somebody's personal savings, yeah. that kind of like that kind of scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if mm-hmm. the thing goes wrong and the market collapses, yeah. right? Yeah. So I've got a mindset that actually holds me back. Now Stephen who I do the, the podcast with, mm-hmm. he does loads of these joint ventures and partnerships and that and he works with all different people and sometimes he doesn't put any money in and then walks away with twenty, thirty grand or whatever. <laughs> That's brilliant if yeah. you do that. But I've always just because I've kind of built up my cash pot over time. Mm. I always just buy properties with my own cash. And then I do what I say renovation, spend 10, 15 grand doing it up. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I'll go and get the, the mortgage on it. So say the last one I bought in uh, Govan down Middleton Street, uh, Ibrox actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so we one bedroom flat, bought for £40,000, spent about 12 on it. It's actually on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I then refinance for 65. So when I say refinance, I get a mortgage out for £65,000 would be the, the end value. Yeah. Um, you would get 75% of that, which works out about 48 or 50, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get basically a check sent to you because I bought a cash, right? So mm-hmm. there's no outstanding loans on it. Um, I get a check through for forty grand, and I bought it for forty and um, uh, twelve. So I've won't, you know effectively I bought property for about four thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. That's the way I kind of do it, um, and and then obviously try and build build on that. So just just my own funds. But it's something if you want to take it to the next level and you really want to step up a gear, mm-hmm. um, it's something that you need to look at. Try to work with investors who will, will provide you with that, that finance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and go yeah. from there, and see from yeah. obviously from your point of view, have you had any kind of property nightmares that that's just kind of yeah. not went to plan? And and I suppose <laughs> my my follow on would be, what's the kind of biggest learning you've took from them? Um, I think that, that what I would say is where it can kind of go wrong, especially when you're doing refurbs and that, mm-hmm. is 
uh, what in the tradesmen. Now, there's loads of good tradesmen out there, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've some absolute gems out, but I've had to go through, you know, a few rough ones to get there. Yeah. So, you know, people promising to do the world and then just not showing up and stuff like that and to be quite unreliable. So that sort of thing and then people take money and then just things like pissing off and not, not turn up at the job and mm-hmm. that. So you've got to really be careful with that. And again, it's all about doing, doing the research and trying to build up good, um, good, good quality contacts through, you know, that could be through personal uh, recommendation, mm-hmm. you know, referrals. But if you're working with trades, like, for example, you're looking for a good plumber to do a heating system for engineer or something, Rather than just go on Google and find somebody with five-star reviews, you know, I wouldn't really go on that to be honest. What mm-hmm. I would do is I would try and find, I would try and get references from that person. So mm-hmm. I would say to somebody if I'm new, working with them, okay, well, do you mind if, can you provide me with a couple of references, people that you've done work for in the past couple of months? Yeah. And I'll give them a call. And I think since you've got on the phone to one of the previous customers, I think we can really get a good thing, but it's very difficult for somebody to bullshit that. You mm-hmm. know, like, it would be hard for that person to lie on that, that, that sort of trading behalf. I think it just it wouldn't work. So yeah. I would do that. And I would say, do you mind if I come and visit you uh, on a job as well? If I'm really in doubt, then mm-hmm. I'll say, look, do you mind if I come to a job that you're working on? Yeah. And that's where I just kind of come up to my site visit and just check that it works good, you know. Mm-hmm. I usually do that with Thailand because Thailand is one of those ones that's like, you know, if you can, if, it, if you get it wrong, it looks absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's a good touch for that. Um, other disasters, oh, just the usual kind of like, you know, tenants not paying. Uh, but that, for me, that's kind of what if I touch that. It's just going to, Happen to mm-hmm. me eventually. Yeah. Happen to everybody. Uh, I've been kind of fortunate enough that I've never had a tenant crash a property, mm-hmm. uh, which can cost quite a lot of money. But again, you know, these cases are few and far between. A lot yeah. of people see stuff on the telly that will be like tenants from hell, landlords from hell, and everybody's got this kind of perception that you know, tenants trash properties. It just mm-hmm. doesn't really happen. You've got to be pretty unlucky. Yeah, I suppose that fits in with the kind of when people think of, of landlords, it's that whole bad rep thing, and it's probably the same as you say with tenants as well. They'll watch these programmes and just kind of pigeonhole everybody yeah. into the one area. Yeah, no, totally. You're talking about disasters there as well. I mean, I did have a bit of disaster. I bought a property in 2007, which is just before the 2008 crash when everyone collapsed, like I was talking about earlier. And I bought the property for uh, 150000 mm-hmm. That's not too bad, and Whenever we in Finistry, mm-hmm. uh, just at the back of the, the Hydro Arena there. And uh, so, what that's for 150, I actually thought it was a really good deal at the time because they were fin- finishing off, it was a new build development and they were still building them yeah. and they were selling for like 210. So, I got mine for 150, I was like, brilliant. It was one of the first new possessions. Mm-hmm. And then the crash hit and they were selling in 2010, two, two years after the crash, for uh, 100,000. Some of them were selling for 90. So Jeez. basically, I bought for under fifty, and then they dropped down to me. I thought, oh, I've lost loads of money here. But mm-hmm. the thing is, it's property. You need to realise it's for long term. Yeah. So when you're holding it like that, you just want to think, right? You know, if you look at the property prices over the last twenty years, it all works in a cycle. So it will go up 
again. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know that at the time. I panicked, but luckily I held on to it. And now if you look at the value there, we're selling for about 170. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's over the space of 10 years. It's gone back up to its original value and over and above. Yeah. So a lot of people could think, oh, no, that's a complete disaster, but it's come good over 10 years. Yeah, do you, do you find in that situation there, there probably is people who kind of don't hold on there and just try and kind of get get what they can for it and, and cash out? Yeah, so that's called um, property trading or flipping. Mm-hmm. You know, people will buy and do them up and then sell them on. Mm-hmm. Now, that's all well and good in a market where at the moment, you know, things are on the up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, for example, you know, a crash happens and you're, Sitting with a property that you spend, you know, fifty grand on, and you can't sell it, then a lot of people will will struggle at that point. Yeah. That could potentially be a disaster. Mm-hmm. But what you need to think about here, the big tip for everybody is, you know, have always have to we call it exit strategy. Mm-hmm. So you know, your number one exit would be to sell the property. That would be your your goal. You're going to do the property out and sell it, and make a profit. Mm-hmm. What happens if the property market crashes and there's no buyers? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Are you just going to like, you know, hand back the key to the bank and let them repossess? No. What you want to do is you want to make sure that the bidders stack up so that you can then let the property out to a tenant on a long-term basis. Mm-hmm. The the rent one comes going to pay for the mortgage cost, and you might be less for a wee bit of an above. Mm-hmm. You're going to hold the property and wait for things to then return back to the good days, and then you can sell it at a later date. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're covering you both know? bases. Aye, yeah. So it's, it's really important. It's something that a lot of people don't think about. Mm-hmm. They just they see a lot of YouTube videos and wow, or they see homes on the hammer, mm-hmm. and well, that person made like twenty or thirty grand for um, for turning over that property in six months. You know, that's amazing. That's like what I earn in a year. You know, and I can make that in six months without mm-hmm. having to do anything. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree with you. Another kind of more specific question that somebody had asked was in Scotland do you think there is much of a market for HMO properties or is it majority of them kind of single let properties? Majority single let HMO is a huge thing down in England and there's a lot of people that teach it um, as a kind of strategy with these courses that you can go on. Mm-hmm. Um, HMO market in Scotland is mainly focused uh, to students Yeah. Uh, so you'll see it kind of First, uh, sorry, friends your students, right? They've all met up with friends in like halls the first year. Then they'll all get a flat together for the second year at university and they'll get a flat share with like you know, four or five of them will all chip in. Mm-hmm. So that's what you generally find in Glasgow and Edinburgh and all the students, uh, university towns around Glasgow. Um, so for, for, for investors, you're, you're pretty much narrowed down to the student market. Mm-hmm. Whereas in England, they seem to have a thing to do with the property stocks. In, in the inner cities, like in Glasgow, in a city in that, we've got a lot of tenement buildings mm-hmm. and they don't really lend themselves to uh, splitting up into lots of individual rooms. Whereas down in England, they have loads of these big uh, Victorian houses that they can split up into seven, eight rooms. Yeah. And that's where, it kind of, that's where it works and that's where it makes sense. The other thing in Scotland is our rules are really strict in terms of the legislation and regulation and the safety compliance mm-hmm. and then HMOs as well which has made it quite difficult for people to get licenses. Right. So if you, if you want to rent out a property with three or more people mm-hmm. unrelated, you need an HMO license from the council. And 
difficult. Yes, a lot of things yeah. in your way then. A lot, yeah, a lot more kind of red tape to get through, and some people just can't afford the hassle, and you need to pay about a thousand pounds. I think it's about thousand pounds every two years, so two years sorry, for the license as well. Got you, yeah, that's quite a tough market then, in comparison to, to down south. Uh, well, definitely, uh, it seems to work a lot for some reason, in cities like Manchester and all that, and all these kind of towns around about, it seems to work really well down there, but like I said, it's to do with the kind of housing stock as well. We don't have, to find houses that would work for that, you would need to go out into the kind of suburbs of Glasgow, mm-hmm. and people are in that market for, for letting these properties, like students and some professionals, they mm-hmm. don't really want to live in these places. They want to live in areas like the West End, Shawlands, Deniston, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and they're all tenement flats. Yes, you're never going to get that chance when you're splitting any name up just for the, the regulations that yeah. are there. Like I said, you get like three, four bedroom, you know, you will get four bedroom flats, tenement flats, and there are H staff, you know, H and those in these places, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a tough market and they're, they're very pricey as well. Yeah. So sometimes it doesn't make sense in terms of the, uh, the actual figures. And then on top of that, they've changed the legislation. So they're getting technical here, mate. No, um, sorry. Used, used to be able to uh, rent, uh, tie people into six or 12 months mm-hmm. on a tenancy agreement. So if you were renting out to four students, you would rent it out for 12 months and you would get that. That would be a, an absolute guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. But now what they've done is you can't uh, fix the lease anymore because the lease is basically, there is no fixed term with a new PRT tenancy agreement that mm-hmm. the Scottish Government introduced in 2017. So a tenant can move in a property now and they can hand in notice uh, within, like you could be in a property a day, decide you don't like it and get 20 days notice and be out within a month. Ah, right, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas before you would fix them for 12 months or 6 months and mm-hmm. you would have that guarantee. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, especially when there's four students that are 19 years old sharing. You know, they can fall out and all the rest of it and then if one decides to leave then it kind of screws it for everybody else. Yeah, and I suppose you've, it's at risk as well because if you've got like three or four people and they all give that notice, you're you're screwed at that point. Aye, aye, exactly. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good answer to that one. Hopefully that covers it. The the next one I had, and it's probably I got about seven or eight of this one from the point of view of COVID and everything that's going on just now. What effect do you think that's had on? Can I both the, the kind of property buying market, but letting as well from from your own perspective? Yeah. So if you split it to go go on the, the kind of sales and the buying side of things first of all. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when we went into lockdown, we closed the property market the first time uh, back in March, right through to the end of June, I think it was, and nobody was allowed to do anything. Like there was no transactions going through. There was no property buying or selling. And then what happened was when they opened it back up in July, there was this huge like pent up demand. So all these people that couldn't buy that had cash sitting there, um, all these you know this fees on transactions, it just went absolutely berserk. And mm-hmm. like everyone piled back in, and prices like shot through. Well, prices didn't shoot through the roof, but like there was so much demand for buying, it was really hard to get to get deals basically. Mm-hmm. So prices probably shot up about five percent last year. And it was such a strange time because if you look at the wider economy, you know, that's 
absolutely on decline. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything else is crashing round about. Yeah. Unemployment rate's going up, but property prices, unemployment rate's going up, property prices in uh, you know, normal times, they usually drop at that point as well because yeah. fewer people have got jobs, fewer people looking to get in the housing ladder. You know, but it was it was weird that it was all going in reverse and property prices were rocketing. Mm-hmm. And the things, I think, to be honest with you, I can't see it's talking. I think it'll still continue to I think it'll still continue to rise because you are seeing higher unemployment rates, but from what I can see, a lot of the the people that are I mean, obviously there's plenty of people losing their jobs out there and I totally sympathise with anyone who has lost their jobs. But it's more so in the kind of younger market, like the kind of 19 to 24-year-olds, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. maybe working in uh, retail, hospitality, you know, travel, that sort of thing. So maybe not so much um, people who are getting on the kind of housing ladder and all yeah. that, and the, the kind of, you know, that generation. So I think from what I can see, there still seems to be plenty of money about. Mm. Like a lot of people that I speak to, because there's been so much government support and uh, you know, people who have been registered by following that, they're getting eight percent of their income. Mm-hmm. There still seems to be plenty of money out there. Yeah. So I think there's gonna be plenty of demand and it's all uh, supply and demand at the end of the day. So if there's a demand there and there's money out there and the banks are lending, that's mm-hmm. the other main thing. Mm-hmm. So the banks have got plenty of money. This, this, sitting on so much money to lend out. Interest rates are at the lowest point ever in history. So, you know, it's relatively easy to get a good deal on your mortgage. Um, and, and I just can't see it slowing down. So I think prices will continue to rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the tenant side of things, um, on the kind of rentals, there, there's also still a big demand because there's always a shortage of housing, yeah. like good quality housing. So I can't see that struggling. The only thing that we have been affected with this year is the students. So obviously they've told the students not to come back and everything's online learning. Mm-hmm. So student flats have been kind of badly hit. Um, I thought there would be a lot more cases of people not being able to pay rent and struggling, but I've got to say pretty much again, like 95% of my parents uh, have been able to pay rent because yeah. of all the government support. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see... I think the big, the big issue is, obviously we're getting too deep in the economy, but the big issue is long term, you know. Yeah. We've spent £450 billion pounds bailing everybody out, mm-hmm. and that's going to take some time to claw back. Yeah. So if you're a small business owner listening to us, then your, your taxes are going to go up, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's mm-hmm. going to be a knock-on effect somewhere down the line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Obviously, from from your own point of view, and I ask everybody this question, whatever line of business they're in, who are your own inspirations for for what you're doing just now? So what I'm doing right now um, is building the letting agency. So so that's going to be like a proper business at the moment. It's just me running mm-hmm. about gas, looking after all the flats, like trying to organise contractors for maintenance, keeping tenants happy, keeping like uh, landlords happy. I, I want to build that to a good, uh, a good point where it's a proper business for mm-hmm. the staff and employing people and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, obviously there's, there's actually a friend of mine that I, I met on a property view in Winnipeg, uh, and I don't mind uh, plugging his name, Mark Schranter, and he runs a really successful wedding agency. 
Um, now, he's actually somebody that I really look up to because I met him like randomly on a profit of year years ago and he started his lighting agency about uh, two years before me and he's, he's kind of scaled up quite quickly to a position where he's got it fully systemized and he's got staff and all the rest of it and I, I want to get to that kind of that level so mm-hmm. I look at him don't check out him Mark Shanta um, Shanta Residential based in the south side of Glasgow okay. um, you know in, in terms of like you know that would be kind of local figure I'm a guy that I can relate to mm-hmm. um, you know in, in terms of like marketing and stuff which I'm really passionate about as well I mean I look at you know, accounts on Instagram and people on YouTube and stuff like that. And I would say one of my biggest kind of, um, I kind of got a bit of a man crush on him, Gary V. Have you ever heard of Gary V? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, you know, I just absolutely, you either love him or you hate him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my wife's absolutely detested him. Many times I've got him <laughs> on the telly or YouTube, but he is a tight, he's a total, like, this guy's annoying me, get him off the telly. Right. But, like, because he's quite repetitive for his message, right? But I think it, just, it really kind of, like, it really kind of gets me motivated, mm-hmm. and he definitely does inspire me as well. Because mm-hmm. he's kind of, you know, built he built a personal brand, and I think that is the key now to to building a successful business. Because I think if you're just going to go out there and just be like any other wedding agent or any other estate agent, you're going to struggle because what sets you apart. So you've got to have that personality or that distance people are going to buy into you mm-hmm. people buy people definitely you know no definitely um and it kind of rolls into the, the same one that, that everybody gets obviously the whole point of this show is to get people from different sectors that are, that are doing good things to come on and kind of share their own experiences and in turn that obviously can inspire other people to maybe take that first step into that, that sector if that's what they want to do, but is there anybody that you know that would be good to come on and, and has got a good journey to share? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I, can, you get, can you get James English on the show? He's an absolute belter. How many? Like 224,000 subscribers Crazy. Crazy. I have uh, asked the question. We, we will see is what I would say to that. <laughs> <laughs> I know he, he has a kind of a name to go after, but if you don't ask, don't get it. So yeah, if you've asked it. already, hopefully, hopefully it'll come back to you. Uh, what, um, I, was, I, mean, I was trying to find a way of getting him on our podcast as well, but I don't know if he invests in property. So. But I just I, I think he's done an amazing thing there. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy from Glasgow who, you, you know, because I'm into the, the kind of YouTube thing as well, mm-hmm. and if you look back on his early videos, you know, he really did start pretty rough. But he has been so consistent, and the guy obviously puts in he puts in a lot of effort and a lot of lot of work into that. Yeah. And uh, to to get to the two hundred, I'm just looking at his channel now, two hundred twenty four thousand subscribers on YouTube. He to actually get that that is phenomenal because it's very difficult to build up those sorts of numbers on YouTube. I mean, I, I'm getting like six hundred or something like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy the amount of subscribers that he's got. Absolutely crazy. Try, try something, mate. But in terms of smaller accounts, I, I don't know. But most of my people, most of my kind of property ones and that, they're all kind of based down. Most of them are kind of English and some American as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? No, that's fine. I will, I will hunt down Mr. English again. The last question I've got, and it's it's probably quite a, a common one from, from your point of view, and this could be from a kind of a letting agent or from buying your own property. What are the kind of 
the biggest myths that you run into that people just assume about about this sector that you're on? The biggest thing, well, number one, I would say, you know, like this kind of, this kind of idea of getting involved in property with, with none of your own money, which you hear all the time, you know, and this idea of making so much money from property, it's just it's all hyped up basically to mm-hmm. sell you a course. Mm-hmm. You know, so so many people get sucked into it. And I get like nothing against education courses. You need to know, um, you need to find out and you need to do the research and you need to do the learning about, about how to get involved in this industry. But mm-hmm. there's so many good uh, YouTube channels and resources out there and podcasts that you could probably get all that stuff for free. Yeah. Where I think the courses do come in is you can meet other people on these courses that are doing similar things. And I'm a huge believer in when you kind of surround with other people who are doing great things, then great things will come to you. Mm-hmm. So it can be good for that. Um, it can also be good for accountability. And if you've spent, you know, £2,000 in a course, then some people do work on the fact that, well, I've spent all that money, I need to make this happen, I need to make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the myth of it being an easy way to make money is uh, that that is a myth, basically. It's, it's not easy. A lot of things can go wrong. So just basically go in with your eyes wide open and be careful because there's a lot of sharp out there as well. Yeah. Another thing, another uh, good resource is if you're thinking about going to any of these courses, there's a guy called Mike Winnett on YouTube. Um, W-I-W-I-W-N-E-T, Winnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Winnett, he does the, the property contrapreneur, they call it. So instead of entrepreneur, it's the contrapreneur. Right. <laughs> so the, he basically works on all these people who sells courses and he, he does like undercover filming and goes to seminars ah, and it's mentioned right, okay. how, how they go through all these sales pitches and uh, the tactics they use and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's a total eye-opener. So I, I would recommend anybody who's going to part with cash, then have a look at his channel as well. No, definitely. Nick, it's been brilliant. I think it's been it's just been amazing to get that knowledge because I think like many of the people that listen to the show, you, you have a kind of perception of property, but you don't really know that much about it. So it's been good to hear some of your replies to these questions. And I think if anybody that's going to be listening to this is at that stage where they're maybe thinking about getting into it, I think this gives them massive food for thought on where to go with it obviously from your side your podcast goes out on a Wednesday is that right? Yeah yeah so we release it every week on the Wednesday I mm-hmm. think um, yeah if you wanted to follow that um, we can maybe give you some links or something in the show notes or mm-hmm. whatever yeah uh, but yeah happy days okay. and I will I will point any property questions your way because I always get them after an episode comes out um, about the person so you may have an influx into your inbox when it, it, it releases no um, happy to answer any questions. I just want to say as well, Gary, that you know, big shout out to yourself doing a great thing here. Um, it's not an easy thing to put out a podcast every week, and you're also in the uh, process of promoting a lot of you know local Glasgow businesses who will be uh, struggling at this time as well. So, so big up yourself, man. Good job. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. As long as, long as people are enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. That's that's my my motto right now. Um, so we'll we'll see how long it lasts. Well, mate, good to chat to you. Yeah, you too, buddy, and I will speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you.